Hello and welcome to the second episode of the Two Minute Drill Podcast, a show where I dedicate two minutes or less to every single team in the NFL. I'm your host, Michael Homan. Get ready for my game recaps to relive the greatness that was week one in the NFL and get a feel for any games you might have missed. I'll hit you with injury updates, but I tend to ignore questionable statuses just so I don't talk too long on injuries. Of course, there will be a bit of pre-game breakdowns for the week two slate of games. My personal picks for the betting lines, as well as at least one guy in fantasy per team that I would look to do very well in the upcoming matchup. This is my second episode, and there should be a bump up in the audio quality. There should be a bump up in content now that we have a week of games under our belts, and there should be a bump up in the number of episodes that I drop each week. That's right, I've decided to add additional episodes of the podcast each week where I bring along a cast of characters from the most competitive fantasy football league that I have ever been a part of. By bringing these guys along, I hope that you have a more competitive advantage going into your fantasy matchups as well as placing bets on the upcoming slate of games as they give me their personal takes on the betting lines, providing their own unique arguments as to why they agree or disagree with my picks. And of course, they will also have their own takes on the fantasy options heading into the game as well. I'm definitely excited to bring along such an entertaining group who will surely make every football conversation a lot of fun. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss future episodes and be sure to leave a review if you haven't done so already because it helps out a lot and I'd really appreciate it. That being said, I'm ready to dive in, so buckle up and get ready to hear two minutes or less of every single team around the NFL. As always, we will be going in the order of the games for the upcoming week. In the week one opener, Daniel Jones and the New York Giants took on the Broncos and had a rough go of getting things moving offensively. Rushing-wise, Saquon did little to nothing. However, the Giants had pretty strong defensive showings in the first half, coming up with a big fumble while the Broncos were in the red zone and made several dominating run defensive stops. However, the Broncos forced the defensive unit to stay on the field longer than expected on each of their scoring drives in the first half by having successful fourth down conversions to keep the drives alive. So the bend but don't break defense broke. The turning point in the game was late in the third quarter with the Giants down by 10. After stringing together an otherwise impressive drive, Daniel Jones' fumbling woes continued as he put the ball on the turf in the red zone for a Broncos recovery. The Giants weren't able to put any more points on the board besides the very last drive in garbage time when the game was completely out of reach. Switching gears to Week 2, the Giants traveled to Washington for an NFC East Division rivalry game. Key things to look for start first and foremost with the fact that Daniel Jones absolutely needs to hold on to the ball. The Giants defense needs to be able to make stops to the point where they can actually get off the field. And the defense also needs to make Washington pay for their unfortunate circumstance of having to start a backup quarterback. That means more than anything, they need to focus on stopping the run or any dump off screen passes to Gibson, forcing Taylor Heineke to try to beat them through the air. Offensively, the Giants will probably have to do it through the air as well, because I still don't expect Saquon Barkley to have a bounce back game after watching his play in week one and the offensive line looked terrible as well. So fantasy wise, I'm going to go ahead and call Kenny Galladay to step up to the plate and show why he was a solid offseason acquisition for the Giants. Washington football team. Luckily, you watched the Washington football team take on the Chargers from the comfort of your own home because several fans had the unpleasant experience of having sewage rain down on them when a pipe burst over their heads in FedEx Field during the game. Fans weren't the only ones getting dumped on, however, as the team suited up for week one 
with the likes of Curtis Samuel, who was placed on IR ahead of the Week 1 matchup with a groin injury. Unfortunately, the offense never looked as it was intended due to injury, and early in the second quarter, that cohesion just got worse as 39-year-old starting quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick was hit on a throw and was knocked out of the game with a hip injury that will have him joining his friend Curtis on the IR. Taylor Heineke, the postseason wonder, subbed in and looked to make the most of his opportunity. He looked really good to start the second half, throwing darts to Gibson, finally getting Terry McLaurin involved with a deep ball, and capping off the drive with Logan Thomas for the touchdown. Montez Sweat on the defensive side of the ball had an absolutely huge impact play while the Chargers were knocking on the door inside the 10. Sweat sacked Justin Fields so hard that the refs ruled in a controversial call that he fumbled the ball through the end zone, which results in a touchback for Washington. However, Washington football team's offense wasn't able to make anything of the situation and in fact couldn't score another point throughout the rest of the game. Looking ahead to week two, note that quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick with a hip injury will be placed on injured reserve and Washington's defense is going to need to be more stout against the pass. So Washington needs to contain Daniel Jones to the pocket. Don't let him lose for a big run, and hopefully hit him early and often because of his fumbling troubles. Taylor Heineke mostly just needs to manage this game. Last week, Terry McLaurin was almost non-existent in the game script, so I really want to see him have a big bounce-back game this week for fantasy. The betting odds have Washington favored by three at home against the Giants, and I'm going to go ahead and take Washington here. New England Patriots opened up the season against the Miami Dolphins. Damian Harris was explosive early as New England looked to establish the run early, but Mac Jones didn't come out confident at all, however, and even fumbled during the opening drive. He settled into the game in the second quarter and delivered two scoring drives, including his first passing touchdown in the NFL to Nelson Aguilar, but actually refused to keep the ball as a symbolic gesture that he's in it for the team, not for himself. Mac honestly did a great job hitting receivers in tight windows with darts, controlled the pace of play, and utilized all the weapons Bill Belichick acquired during free agency. Unfortunately, this was a game of ball control, and the New England running backs fumbled and lost a pair of them, the worst of them being by Harris when the Patriots were within scoring distance, down by one late in the fourth quarter. Looking ahead to week two, Note that offensive tackle Trent Brown is considered day-to-day -day after injuring his calf. Bill Belichick is going to be taking on rookie Zach Wilson of the Jets with his illustrious defensive scheme, so I think there's just a coaching and experience mismatch right from the jump. Mac Jones already looks like he can avoid turnovers, and I think that he's going to continue to look like a young Kirk Cousins-esque quarterback with more upside. Damian Harris will put that late-game fumble behind him and come out again absolutely swinging, and unquestionably, I think he can go for another 100 yards in this game. Defensively, they'll just need to work on getting home on Zach Wilson because he's pretty shifty at getting outside the pocket and continuing to look downfield to make a play. The offensive line is just terrible, so he's having to escape the pocket pretty often. So they just got to be ready to run and chase after him. The tight end duo had a slight but noticeable impact in week one, and I hope they step up their activity even more in week two. I think it is going to be smooth sailing for the Patriots against the Jets. Fantasy-wise, I'll go ahead and make a call that James White stays involved in the passing game and expands his role in the running game and has a good game for fantasy. The New York Jets took on the Panthers to kick off the season. The Jets struggled mightily to begin the game, having only 14 yards of offense in the first quarter. And fortunes didn't change much in the second quarter, with a rookie mistake of an interception thrown by Wilson, 
who had finally made a connection with Corey Davis to get things rolling despite the run game completely unable to get anything moving. Jets' defense did a good job at sniffing out trick plays in Week 1, but were unable to get enough consistency at stopping Christian McCaffrey, who was able to move on them at will. They ultimately got gashed by Robbie Anderson over the top and a QB keep because they had to respect McCaffrey. Back on the offensive side of the ball, it is fair to say that it is easy to see that Zach Wilson is simply in a tough situation to be a starting rookie. He just absolutely has no time in the pocket. No run game. Instead of thinking about how to develop, he is thinking about how to survive. By the end of the game, it was fair to say that Zach Wilson got eaten alive, getting sacked six times in his NFL debut. Looking ahead to week two, note that linebacker Sherwood hurt his ankle and is expected to miss two weeks. The IR list had many additions, including linebacker Cashman with a hamstring injury, safety LaMarcus Joyner with a triceps injury, and offensive tackle Makai Becton with a knee injury, as well as Hunter Mann with a knee injury. Being completely injury riddled and having a first year head coach and a rookie quarterback all sound like a disaster waiting to happen when posed with facing one of the best coaches to ever do it in Bill Belichick. The Jets' number one focus just has to be on the offensive line to keep Zach Wilson upright. What would help out a lot is if they could establish some semblance of a run game. Fantasy-wise, I'll go ahead and call out Corey Davis. He's the diamond in the rough, and he just needs to get involved earlier in the game so the Jets don't fall behind immediately. And odds makers are favoring the New England Patriots by six, and I think the New England can easily beat the Jets by more than a touchdown, so I'll go ahead and take the Patriots minus six. The Denver Broncos opened the season against the New York Giants. Teddy Bridgewater looked very promising as a game manager with a splash of special as he consistently needed to bolt from a broken pocket but consistently made lemonade out of lemons by keeping his eyes downfield. Broncos O-line certainly has room for improvement because even with fresh legs in the first half, there were times they were getting beat with only a three-man rushing attack and several times that the running back tandem was getting met before the line of scrimmage. Drops were an issue for the receivers last year and that familiar struggle continued this year with KJ Hamler dropping a wide open guaranteed touchdown deep ball from Bridgewater. This eventually led to the need for a huge third down conversion catch by Jerry Judy who maintained possession of the ball despite having his ankle rolled up on by a Giants defender that gave immediate flashbacks to when the Giants defender did the exact same thing to Dak Prescott last year. The Broncos defense was really impressive particularly in the red zone with several occasions where they forced the Giants to walk away with no points despite driving the length of the field. This set up Melvin Gordon to put an exclamation point on the game with a 70-yard touchdown run. And looking ahead to Week 2, note that guard Gazzola left Sunday's game in an ambulance after experiencing an irregular heartbeat and is questionable, and cornerback Darby, whose hamstring was injured, is now on the injured reserve, as is wide receiver Jerry Judy, like I mentioned before, with his ankle. Luckily, the Denver Broncos have a nice cushy landing spot in week two here against Jacksonville, and this is going to be some humid, muggy weather that those Broncos players probably aren't used to. I'm expecting Teddy Bridgewater to look elite against Jacksonville, considering Tyrod Taylor did the week prior. The running back tandem should have no problem moving the ball against these guys. Defensively, might be more vulnerable through the air because of Darby's injury, but I think that they can handle Trevor Lawrence. Fantasy-wise, I'm inclined to take the same call as last week, but I'm actually going to switch things up and feature Noah Fant here. The tight end is going to have a fantastic day against Jacksonville. The Jacksonville Jaguars dove headfirst into a divisional matchup against the Houston Texans to start off the year. 
First overall pick, Trevor Lawrence made his rookie debut, beginning with a three and out to set the tone for what would amount to be a long day at the offense. He didn't necessarily look bad, but between penalties, drop balls, and missed field goals, his teammates weren't helping him shine either. Then the game script had to fall on the arm of Lawrence and fade the run game because they fell behind early. Add all that to the anticipated rookie mistakes with a team that earned the first overall draft pick for a reason, and you pretty much know how the Jags season opener went. Ultimately, it is pretty obvious that the team was not very good and that could be heavily influenced by the team's culture reportedly urban meyer is already losing the locker room and staff coaches and players are growing tired of looking over their shoulder with urban meyer's temper turning jacksonville's attention to the week two matchup against the denver broncos they have to focus on establishing some sort of run game to slow down the pace of play and maintain some type of possession advantage because if you're comparing jacksonville's week one to denver's week one denver looked poised and promising all the jags looked pretty frantic and busted Trevor Lawrence is really going to have to watch where he's throwing because he made a lot of rookie mistakes that need to be corrected. And defensively, they just need to be able to stop the bleeding. So I would focus primarily on keeping Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams damaged to a minimum and force Teddy Bridgewater to drive down the field with his arm. The Denver Broncos looks like a six-point favorite away team. And until the Jags prove that they are not the same 1-15 team from last year, I'll probably be betting against them. So I'll take Denver minus six. Las Vegas Raiders took on the Ravens in the first Monday night football game of the year, and it was absolutely everything that you could have ever asked for in a primetime game to end week one. It was honestly a slow beginning for Derek Carr as he continued to miss receivers by failing to lead them on their routes and pretty much zeroing in on Darren Waller to feed as many targets to him as possible, but that connection was off early on. However, after digging themselves into a 14-0 hole, Carr was able to string together a drive that culminated in a two-yard rushing touchdown for Josh Jacobs. Really, it can be argued that Carr didn't find his rhythm at all until the fourth quarter, specifically when he made two game-tying drives to send the game into overtime. The game ended with those two drives, then an initial touchdown to Brian Edwards that was called back during overtime, then having a different pass go off his receiver's hands and end up as an interception in the end zone during overtime, and then he made the Ravens pay for fumbling during overtime with a wide-open pass to Jones to seal the game, Carr was exceptional under pressure and had to show a clutch gene over and over and over. Looking ahead to week two, please note that the guard good will miss the rest of the season due to a torn ACL. And John Gruden said defensive end Yannick Ngakwe pulled a hamstring but is listed as questionable. The Raiders draw another extremely formidable defense heading into week two with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Like I mentioned last week, I do have a pretty strong feeling on the Raiders. In particular, they tend to play up to their opponent's level. And I think that was on full display in week one on Monday Night Football against the Ravens. Hopefully they can get off to a faster start. And Derek Carr definitely needs to look to more receivers than besides just Darren Waller. Like we get it. Darren Waller is your best option, but you don't need to target him 19 times. That being said, I actually think that Pittsburgh's defense is going to force him to look in other directions because I think that they are one of the defenses that is more capable with dealing with the Darren Waller type of tight end. So I will go ahead and toss my fantasy pick over to Brian Edwards to have a big game. Pittsburgh Steelers took on the Bills in week one in a game that could have playoff ramifications for the top of the AFC. To be completely frank, the Steelers looked bad early in this game and pretty much did nothing but punt the entire first half. Luckily, their defense didn't allow the game to get out of hand, only allowing 10 points. Coming out of the locker room, Tomlin made some great adjustments and never had a drive that didn't end in points 
in the second half besides the victory formation kneeling at the end of the game. Big Ben sprinkled the ball around to eight different pass catchers and was aided with field position because the Bills kept deciding to go for it on fourth down and the Steelers had big defensive stops. Special teams even chipped in for a blocked punt for a touchdown. Rushing-wise, Najee Harris didn't necessarily have the breakout rookie debut that was much hyped, especially within the fantasy football community, only getting 45 yards and averaging just 2.8 yards per carry. Claypool had a sweet rushing pickup of 25 yards and was right there with Juju and Deontay in receiving yards, but none had a big breakout game, and fans watching the game were just happy to see that Deontay wasn't more seriously hurt after needing to get examined in the medical tent during the game. Pivoting from the Steelers' Week 1 matchup over to the next opponent in the Raiders. I think that Najee Harris is going to have a step-up game in comparison to what he was able to produce here in Week 1. Big Ben is going to keep things interesting because although the Raiders' defense was able to tighten up towards the end of the game, at the beginning it was kind of open field for the Ravens. The Steelers' defense just need to do Steeler defense type of things as in bend but don't break. Force Derek Carr to get uncomfortable. Don't let him pick you apart with Waller and just consistently dominate the line of scrimmage. It is pretty easy for me to see any of the three wide receivers go off for a big game for fantasy. If I have to give it to one of the receivers, I'll go ahead and throw it to Chase Clay. The more that I talked about this game, the more that I fell in love with the Steelers, who are favorites at home by five and a half points, but something in my gut just keeps telling me to ride the hot hand of the Raiders. I'll go ahead and take the Raiders and the point. The Houston Texans took on the Jags in the first game under head coach David Culley. There is actually a certain energy that I picked up in the preseason, but just wrote it off as the preseason doesn't matter. Like this team is a hodgepodge of coaches that are doubted and veterans that everyone feels bad for, but mostly have forgotten. Well, these guys came out with that energy, like they had something to prove. Now, granted, it was against the Jags, but you can't control what team is on your schedule. I'm not going to overreact here. I'm simply sliding out the idea that maybe, just maybe, the Texans aren't as bad as everyone thinks. Tyrod Taylor had some absolutely stellar throws, and Brandon Cooks had some even better catches. Play after play watching the Texans, you would say, oh cool, I'm glad he's still in the league with the likes of Danny Amendola or David Johnson. The defense wasn't very imposing, but still made their big plays, and had Jags fans hearing the word punt more times than they would have liked. Pivoting the focus of the Texans onto their Week 2 opponent, the Cleveland Browns. The more I think about the Houston Texans, the more of an enigma I feel like this team is. It is really hard to evaluate a team that you expect to be so horrible when they do well against a team that you're not surprised was also horrible. I just think that they're going to continue to sneak up on some people this year. Tyra Taylor has always been a decent quarterback who is just had some horrendously bad luck. Anyone in the running back room technically could be a starter on an NFL roster, and Mark Ingram did a good job shouldering the load this week, and he's going to be the presumed starter from here on out for Houston. Their defense, however, is nothing special, but they showed a lot of heart collecting three interceptions in week one. They just have a super tough matchup going against the Browns, and I honestly think that they can keep things close. Do I think that that's the most likely thing to happen? Not necessarily, but do I think that it's certainly within the realm of possibilities? Yeah, realistically, fantasy-wise, if you have to make a desperation start for running back, Mark Ingram is going to be given a lot of opportunity, as he saw 26 carries this past game, and you just don't see a lot of running backs in the league right now getting that many touches. The Cleveland Browns face the Kansas City Chiefs in an exciting Week 1 matchup amongst two teams who expect to be at the top of the AFC come year's end. Now, despite being a really exciting team to watch this year and opening up the game very, very strong, this stat is just hilarious. The Cleveland Browns 
have now lost 17 straight season openers. But this year, that does not mean very much to me because they had to deal with the overwhelming chalk pick of who will make it to the Super Bowl in the AFC East in the Kansas City Chiefs. And they actually looked to be the better team for much of the game. They started the game with three straight touchdown drives. Unfortunately for the Browns, they could not keep that consistency throughout the entirety of the game. But Baker Mayfield looked very consistent making solid reads. And consistency is good for this franchise as they have not had this much stability at the cornerback position in a while. Nick Chubb looked tough and spry as he continually made good chunk plays. And Kareem Hunt proves to be the ultimate backup running back solidifying the Browns' one-two punch. Heavy was the head of punter Gilbert, whose botched punt late in the game gave the Chiefs excellent field position to take the lead. But the loss does not rest on his shoulders because the Browns still had two other drives to try and make up for it, and they did nothing with those opportunities. Looking ahead to week two, note that Offensive tackle Willis has an ankle injury and is considered day-to-day. -day. I think that it is safe to say that everyone in Cleveland is excited that they get to have a quote-unquote easy week with their week two opponent getting Houston at home. As long as the Browns take this opponent seriously enough, considering they are still an NFL team, there shouldn't be any reason why the Browns don't walk out of week two with a win. As far as, as, far as passing options, at this point that I'm recording, I believe that OBJ is going to sit out in week two. So Jarvis Landry and David Njoku are going to continue to carry the load. I'll go ahead and make David Njoku my fantasy call for the Browns. Betting line-wise, this is the largest point margin on the week with the Browns being favored by 12 and a half points. And I'm tempted to take the Texans, but I just can't do it. The Buffalo Bills started off their season opener against the Steelers. And after they made a first drive field goal, they entered into a punting contest with the Steelers, finally broken up by a drive resulting in a Gabe Davis touchdown before half. Questionable situational football siphoned the Bills' lead after halftime as they unnecessarily turned it over on downs on back-to-back -back drives despite having the lead, both times resulting in more points for the Steelers on the other end. Then, when Bills' punting unit had it blocked and returned for a touchdown, it was clear that all of the momentum was with the Steelers from then on out. Turning my attention to their matchup in Week 2 against the Miami Dolphins, Josh Allen looks to right his ship and get back to last year's Josh Allen because last year's Josh Allen was awesome. The Bills' defense needs to keep up the good work because they were actually hanging fairly well with the Steelers and matching what they were able to do on defense, and that's one of the better defenses in the league. So now looking at the Miami Dolphins, who don't necessarily have as lethal of an offensive threat as the Steelers do, hopefully the Bills can hang tough. Part of the Bills in general last year was that they never established the run and if they focus on getting the ball over to Devin Singletary just by making the active decision to continue to hand him the ball even though it might not be the most effective way to move the offense, I think it will do the offense a lot of favors because then the opposing defense has to respect the run. Right now, every single team can just sit back and know that a vast majority of the players are going to be passing down. On the defensive side of things, look for the Bills to take advantage of Tua not being a refined quarterback forcing him to make plays quickly and hopefully forcing some errors along the way. Fantasy-wise, I'm going to call for Devin Singletary to have that big game because he averaged for 6.5 yards a carry last week, but just simply did not get fed the ball enough. And I'm hoping that Brian Dable will realize that and make tweaks to the game script. The Miami Dolphins had to face off week one with divisional rival New England Patriots. Tua started the game off with a perfect drive where he didn't throw a single incompletion and capped it off by keeping it himself for a short rushing touchdown. Despite not needing to throw often, Tua showed off that he could hit deep balls, connecting on several of them, and if it weren't for some exceptional defense, he would have had even more. That being said, Tua also still needs to learn when to throw it away, because his interception 
came off a busted play, and he just heaved it into heavy coverage instead of out of bounds. The Tua train is ultimately a slow roller, and Brian Flores is telling you as much with the play calls, but it is not like the Dolphins were getting much out of the ground game either. Looking ahead to week two of that defensive tackle, Davis has a knee injury and is placed on the IR. The Miami Dolphins will have their work cut out for them as they take on the Buffalo Bills, who are fired up and ready for a bounce-back game. Miami will have to look to make this another defensive slugfest because if they end up in a shootout, I don't believe that Miami's offense has the capability to hang with the Bills in any capacity. The AFC East Divisional matchup can definitely have lofty implications down the line, especially if the Dolphins walk out of it 2-0 and the Bills shockingly start their season 0-2. For Miami to accomplish that, they're going to need to really put pressure on the Bills' offensive line, which is shaky, and get home on Josh Allen. Miami's defense is no Steelers defense, but Brian Flores seems to know how to push buttons and make things work, and that's got to be his game plan going into this one. Miami will also be getting back on the offensive side of the ball. Will Fuller, which gives another option for Tua to spread the field out and take a couple of deep shots as long as he can accurately hit them. Pairing him up with Jalen Waddell gives hope for Miami if they do find themselves in a shootout, but that game script would just really favor the Bills. Fantasy-wise, I'm going to go ahead and shout out Will Fuller since it's not like he's coming off an injury, so he'll be absolutely ready to go, and I think he's one of the highest upside potential calls on this offense. Oddsmakers are favoring the Bills by 3.5 points, and that hook is enough to send me to the Miami side of this pick. The San Francisco 49ers took on the Detroit Lions in a week one bout that many expected to be a blowout. There are some very curious decisions before the game as Trey Sermon was a surprise and active for the 49ers and Brendan Ayuk, who had a great stretch of games to end last year, fell on the jump chart somehow with a big fat zero in any stat that matters. Jimmy Garoppolo notably fumbled the very first snap of the 2021 campaign and lucked out with the Lions not being able to capitalize and turn that fumble into points. Boys to have an amazing game against the Lions, Raheem Mostert, the starting running back, after only taking two carries for 20 yards, went down with a knee injury that is ultimately going to take him out of the season entirely because he is going to surgically repair that knee. This paves the way for Elijah Mitchell and perhaps Trey Sermon next week to be very productive in the run game. Equally as unpredictable as the running back field, Kyle Shanahan would randomly throw Trey Lance to take some snaps away from Jimmy Garoppolo in the week one opener. So Trey actually threw a touchdown on his first NFL pass in his career. Looking ahead to week two, note that cornerback Jason Verrett, whose knee was injured during the game, was placed on injured reserve. This week two matchup against the Eagles is really going to be fascinating to watch because Kyle Shanahan has some mystery behind this team in terms of what he's going to do with this personnel. And the Eagles came out in week one way more buttoned up than I expected them to look. And I'm fascinated to see if they can continue that against the 49ers. Game script wise, the 49ers are really going to focus on Jalen Hurts, keeping him contained in the pocket and not letting him escape with his legs. This is also because they really need to help out their secondary, who definitely looks different with Jason Verrett out of the lineup. Offensively, they need to get the ball out of Jimmy Garoppolo's hands quickly and establish the run early with the likes of Elijah Mitchell and company. Fantasy wise, I'll go ahead and call out George Kittle, who had a quiet day at the office for his standards in week one and it'll probably be much more explosive for him in week two. The Philadelphia Eagles faced off with the Atlanta Falcons in an NFC clash that looked to answer a lot of questions for the Eagles, namely with all the offseason overhauls did they successfully right the ship. If you can shake off the thoughts that the team that they faced in the Atlanta Falcons might just be bad, then the answer appears initially to be a resounding yes. Jalen Hurts was able to make use of his mobility, making big chunk plays on the ground, 
His arm looked good, especially on a throw to Devonta Smith, caught a touchdown pass for his first NFL reception. From that point on, the Eagles had the lead and never looked back. Their offensive line was completely dominating the Falcons' defensive line. The running backs were able to hit holes and go for big chunk plays. The receivers were left wide open on numerous occasions, and their D-line was able to get home on Matt Ryan several times. Overall, it was an absolute route. Pivoting the conversation for the Eagles over to Week 2, their matchup against the San Francisco 49ers has a lot of curiosity surrounding it. Will the Eagles be able to carry over this momentum to such a formidable opponent? Specifically on the defensive end of the ball, the 49ers are a way bigger animal to overcome. Jalen Hurts is going to need to continue to be special if he wants to keep this one close. The run game is going to have to take some of that pressure off of Hurts and force the 49ers to respect the rushing threat and not just tee off on Jalen. Defensively, they're going to have to focus on the run as well because realistically, Kyle Shanahan doesn't care who he's got at the running back spot. They're all going to be successful more often than not. And one of the biggest impact on this game I would expect to see defensively is if the pass rush with Fletcher Cox and company can get home against Jimmy Garoppolo and make him feel uncomfortable throughout the game. Fantasy-wise, I'll go ahead and call out Miles Sanders to get a lot of dump-off passes and establish the run for a lot of all-purpose yards. As for the betting line, I see Philly getting 3.5 points at home, so I'm going to go ahead and take that largely because of the number and the fact that they're at home. And the Week 1 performance gave me enough confidence to think that they might be able to keep it close. The Los Angeles Rams got a running head start to the season by getting to line up against the Bears in a standalone game on Sunday night on NBC, whose broadcaster, Al Michaels, genuinely made me laugh after the TV broadcast pointed to a random white blonde woman who was just a random Rams fan in the stands and claimed her to be Kelly Stafford, the new Rams quarterback Matt Stafford's wife, and then very sheepishly had to later correct himself with the new camera shot of the correct white blonde woman. On to the game. The Rams special teams let the Bears take an initial kickoff very deep into Rams territory, but luckily the defense was able to right the ship and intercept Andy Dalton in the end zone. Just three plays later and Matt Stafford was hitting Vance Jefferson on a 67-yard bomb of a touchdown, and it was off to the races for the Rams. Outside of taking knees at the end of the halves, Rams only had one drive that did not result in points. And with a lead at the half, it is pretty much already over since the Rams are actually 36-0 while leading at halftime since 2017. Matthew Stafford looked extremely impressive in his debut with his new team and actually logged the highest passer rating for any quarterback debuting for a new team in NFL history with a passer rating of 156.1. Switching gears to focus on the Rams' opponent in Week 2, they travel to Indianapolis to take on the Colts. I think the Rams are going to have an absolute field day here. This team is coming out of the gates hot, and despite how good I think the Colts could be later on in the season, they just have no schedule breaks getting back-to-back -back NFC West teams. Matt Stafford is going to be able to exploit the secondary of the Colts much like Russell Wilson did, especially as he gets more accustomed to Sean McVay's scheme. I think that Aaron Donald is going to get home on Carson Wentz, and if Wentz gets sacked two or more times during this game, he's going to be uncomfortable, and it's almost always a guaranteed loss in that scenario. Fantasy-wise, I'm going to let Cooper Cup shine here because I can easily see him putting up a performance like Tyler Lockett did last week against the Colts. The Indianapolis Colts clashed with a formidable opponent in the Seattle Seahawks to start their 2021 season. The Colts now have five straight seasons with a new quarterback under the helm for the Week 1 opener. Carson Wentz, of course, getting the start in this one. And they have lost eight straight Week 1 openers. You could tell the Colts wanted to come out and establish the run and ease Carson Wentz into things, and that drive was a slow and steady one to start things off right with a field goal. 
Unfortunately for the Colts, that was the only drive in which they would lead. The highlight of the day for Wentz was his early second quarter drive where he hit Paris Campbell on a sweet deep ball that set up a different throw to Zach Pascal for the touchdown. Now let's pivot the conversation to the Colts' Week 2 matchup with the Rams. The biggest thing that the Colts have to focus on is their offensive line stopping that defensive front led by Aaron Donald. Carson Wentz plays way better when he is comfortable, so he can do himself favors by getting rid of the ball early as well. Running-wise, it's always tough to move the ball against the Rams, but Jonathan Taylor needs to do his best. And I'm sure Hines will come in for a few plays and get a few chunk yards as well. The secondary is definitely going to need to see improvements and not consistently get beat over the top. Otherwise, it might be another long game for the Colts. Fantasy-wise, I'll go ahead and say Michael Pittman gets much more involved in this week's offensive scheme. As far as the line, it looks like the Rams are favored by three and a half, and I have to take the Rams' side because the Seahawks just beat the Colts by way more than that, and I think the Rams are honestly better than the Seahawks, so Rams minus three and a half. The Cincinnati Bengals got to test the waters with Joe Burrow's surgically repaired knee against the Vikings, and he certainly made a splash. After the first quarter jitters were out of the way, the Bengals followed up their first three drives that ended in punts with three straight drives that ended in touchdowns. Joe Burrow looked really efficient, completing 20 of 27 passes for 261 yards and two touchdowns. Perhaps a lot of that comfortability comes with his new teammate, Jamar Chase, who of course was Joe Burrow's teammate in college. Chase shook off the preseason drops and showed up big, becoming the first Bengal in franchise history to record 100 yards or more in receiving in their rookie debut, half of which came on a 50-yard bomb for his first NFL touchdown. Rushing-wise, Joe Mixon had a 100-plus yard day of his own. Defensively, they almost beat themselves by allowing the Vikings to climb back from a 20-point deficit and send the game into overtime. But luckily, Jermaine Pratt emerged as the savior in OT by forcing Dalvin Cook to fumble, and Pratt recovered it himself. That set up Joe Burrow, who capped off the game in overtime with a 7-play drive leading to the game winner off the foot of McPherson. Looking ahead to Week 2, note that quarterback Trey Waynes is listed as doubtful. But pivoting the Bengals' focus over to the Chicago Bears matchup for Week 2, Joe Burrow looks to continue to beat up against the NFC North. I think that the wide receiver corps is going to continue to look good in this matchup as I don't see the Bears having as good of a defense as they did last year. I also think that the Bengals' front seven should be able to take advantage of Andy Dalton, who at the time of this recording has not been kicked out of the starting spot quite yet. That is the biggest question heading into this game. If Justin Fields end up being the starter, that would definitely throw a wrench into how I'm currently perceiving this game. Fields has just enough of a dynamic element to his game that perhaps the Bengals' defense is not ready for it, and it would definitely be a calculated landing spot for the rookie to have his first start. Fantasy-wise, I'm going to call Jamar Chase to pull off back-to-back -back big weeks for the Bengals. Chicago Bears drew the short straw of having to deal with the new-look Rams in the Week 1 opener. Things actually looked promising on the opening kickoff when Khalil Herbert made an electric opening return for 50 yards. Unfortunately, the Bears could do nothing with the promising field position as the drive ended in an Andy Dalton interception in the end zone. The Bears' first four drives ended as an interception, a turnover on downs, a fumble, and a punt, which basically defines how the night went for the Bears, who had to play from behind the entirety of the night. Justin Fields was able to sneak out onto the field for three plays, one of which resulted in a three-yard touchdown run, which was Fields' first NFL career touchdown. This particular loss puts Andy Dalton's primetime record at an abysmal 6-18. David Montgomery was the bright spot amongst the offense. He hung a 100-yard rushing game on the Rams, which no running back was able to accomplish against the Rams in 
all of last year. They also scored a touchdown. Pivoting the conversation of the Bears over to the Week 2 opponent in the Bengals, I really only care to know what Matt Nagy decides to do at the quarterback position. At the time of this recording, I have no idea if Andy Dalton is going to continue to get the start. If he does, I think that the Bears are going to be in for a rude awakening against the Bengals team that still have a losing stigma about them. But with Joe Burrow at the helm, he gives them life. The Bears are going to have a, to really focus on stopping the run. Joe Mixon is a solid workhorse back, and if they can't get it moving on the ground, I think it'll shake up the Bengals' confidence a bit. Offensively, I really don't care what they do if they don't start Justin Fields or get a way to get him more involved. Andy Dalton just doesn't give them energy. No spark, no deep threat, no mobility threat with an offensive line that was not special. And Justin Fields, I believe, can do all of that. Fantasy-wise, David Montgomery just looks great, so I'll go with him. Betting-wise, as it stands right now with Dalton as the quarterback ones, the odds are still Chicago favored by two. If that stands to be the same, I'm absolutely taking Cincinnati because I would feel like I'm getting the better team plus points by picking the Bengals if the Bears have Dalton at the helm. The New Orleans Saints had the Jameis Winston era begin with a bang, taking on the Green Bay Packers in the season opener. Between Winston scrambling to keep drives alive and the electric ability of Alvin Kamara to make something out of nothing, the Saints found themselves up early on the Packers and never looked back. The defense was humming early and often, putting big hits on Rodgers and picking him off in the red zone, just as he was starting to build some momentum, forcing a turnover on downs and then picking him off again for good measure. This all consistently led to short field positions that Winston capitalized on, throwing five touchdowns and just 14 completions on 20 attempts for only 148 yards, plus 37 more rushing. Camara led the group in rushing with 83 yards, plus eight yards, receiving and a touchdown through the air. Paulson Adebo and Marcus Williams accounted for the team's two Aaron Rodgers interceptions, and Tanoa Pasadnan forced the Jordan Love fumble. Looking ahead to week two, note that center McCoy strained his calf and cornerback Marshawn Lattimore needed surgery for a chipped bone in his thumb. Michael Thomas was already on the IR, but he also tested positive for COVID on top of that, as did several Saints assistant coaches. Many of those injuries could be costly as they turn their attention to a division rival in the Carolina Panthers, but I'm sure Sean Payton feels like it's nothing that they can't overcome. This is a pretty big statement win that they're coming off of for New Orleans, but I don't think that they will be caught looking past a lesser team in the Carolina Panthers since it is a divisional matchup. I expect the offense to take a slight step back from what they were able to accomplish against Green Bay, but I still expect big things from the defense, who I originally thought was rebuilding, but they show that they can still hang tough with very talented offenses. The big task, of course, is going to be trying to limit Christian McCaffrey as much as possible, which is no easy task, and their ability to do so is going to be the defining component of this game. If they're able to keep Christian McCaffrey limited, the Saints are going to win big again. But if the dude gets rolling, the Panthers have the ability to keep it close or even sneak an upset. Fantasy-wise, I'm not going to give you the... I'll go ahead and highlight Adam Troutman will be a fine streaming option. The Carolina Panthers and Sam Darnold started the season off with Darnold's revenge game against the Jets. And the same applies to Robbie Anderson, who got his revenge when his lone catch went for 57 yards and a touchdown, celebrating by flying around like a Jet. Darnold looked much better on his new team, but it certainly helps that every other play, Christian McCaffrey shoulders the load. That guy is an absolute powerhouse and just demands so much attention from opposing defenses that when he isn't moving the ball at well, it frees up his teammates to shake free for big plays. Defensively, the Panthers looked pretty amazing through much of the game, but it was truly just hard to tell if that was because of their defensive prowess or just the Jets' sheer ineptitude. They relaxed a bit or let down their guard as Wilson hung a pair of touchdowns on them, 
but the second one was pretty much in garbage time. Defensively, the Panthers feasted on Zach Wilson, raking in six sacks amongst the bunch. And Shaq Thompson was the star amongst the group since he also had an interception, three passes defended, and led the team in tackles. Looking ahead to Week 2, note that the Panthers placed cornerback Hartsfield with a wrist injury on injured reserve. As for what the Panthers will need to do strategically to slow down the New Orleans Saints in Week 2, I would continue the game script of getting Christian McCaffrey involved in as many offensive plays as possible. Donald is definitely capable of making bigger plays than just dumping it off to CMC every play, but this team is likely to just go as McCaffrey goes. Defensively, it is a tough assignment because Jameis Winston proved that he can pass very efficiently for lots of touchdowns, and New Orleans has an elite running back of their own in Alvin Kamara. It will be a pick-your-poison type of day no matter what, and I think that Panthers are going to just need to cause a turnover or two on the defensive side of the ball in order to give their offense the chance to keep up with the Saints. Fantasy-wise, I'll highlight DJ Moore, hoping that he comes down with a touchdown since we're already used to seeing him come up with lots of yards. As for the betting line, the Panthers are 3.5-point home dogs, and I have to take the Saints on that because the Saints just bullied Aaron Rodgers and Sam Darnold is no Aaron Rodgers, so I'll swallow 3.5 points. The Minnesota Vikings looked to open up the season by beating up on the Bengals, but nothing seemed to go according to plan. During the first quarter, the Bengals and the Vikings decided to enter an independent punting war to remain scoreless in the first quarter. Finally, they opened up the second quarter with the first touchdown of the game to Adam Thielen. Unfortunately, that would be their only lead of the day. Three more straight drives ending in punts by the Vikings was finally broken up thanks to the Bengals, oddly deciding to go for it on fourth down within their own territory and with the lead. Vikings defense was able to make the stop on Joe Mixon on fourth down and receive amazing field position. Going for it on a fourth down of their own, Kirk Cousin had a quick strike to Adam Thielen in the middle of the field who ran it the rest of the way for his second touchdown. Shortly thereafter, Justin Jefferson had a giant play that looked initially like he went in for a touchdown but ended up being down at the one, making it easy for Dalvin Cook to cap off the drive, bringing the Vikings within three. Christian Kirk had to execute a two-minute drill, ending with a 53-yard field goal off the foot of Greg Joseph who hit it through and sent the game into overtime. That, however, is where the magic ran out for the Vikings, who made two separate defensive stands that forced the Bengals to punt, but Dalvin Cook ended up fumbling the ball back over to the Bengals, ultimately handing them the win. Pivoting the conversation for the Vikings to their Week 2 opponent in the Arizona Cardinals, they are going to have to show up and show out defensively in order to have any shot at keeping pace with this team. So if they can get to Kyler Murray as often as they got to Joe Burrow, that could potentially give them a fighting chance. Offensively, they don't have an option to fall behind early as they need to keep Dalvin Cook involved in the game script, even though Arizona did a great job at stopping the run against Derrick Henry. The Vikings' offense operates far better when Dalvin Cook is consistently threatening to break off a big run. Speaking of offense, I need to make a fantasy pick here that isn't Dalvin Cook since I just picked him last week, and I'll go ahead and highlight Justin Jefferson. He went down at the one last week or else he would have had an excellent fantasy week last week with a score. So, this week, I expect him to get into the end zone at least once. The Arizona Cardinals were looked on universally as the team that was going to get off to a slow start against the Superior Titans team in the season opener, but nothing could be further from the truth. Even though I called taking Cardinals in the points last week, I had my doubts. Fan or not of the Arizona Cardinals, these guys are just fun to watch. Kyler Murray was absolutely electric, scrambling around back there, turning any broken play into a highlight-worthy event. He's young, he's fast, he's fresh, and he's got a cannon of an arm. Defensively, the two players that really jumped out on the screen were Isaiah Simmons, who caught an interception and also had big hits that prevented other catches, and Chandler Jones, who was the true, absolute, unequivocal powerhouse on the defense, not just of this team, but for the league this week. 
racking up an astounding five sacks, two of them going for sack fumbles recovered by the Cardinals. Kyler's lone misstep of the day was an interception to start off the second half, but by that time his team was already up 24-6. Kyler Murray had five total touchdowns. Chandler Jones had five sacks. There has never been a teammate duo to accomplish that feat ever until today, since individual sacks became an official stat in 1982. Christian Kirk and DeAndre Hopkins both coming down for two touchdowns is also a first for Cardinals franchise history, as we have never had a wide receiver duo accomplish that feat in the same game. Looking ahead to week two, note that offensive tackle Beckham has his ribs injured and is considered day-to-day. As for the Week 2 opponent in the Minnesota Vikings, Kyler Murray is going to have to be very vigilant against their pass rush since they got home for five sacks last week, and Kyler is a little dude who can't afford to be taking that many hits. That I expect him to really take advantage of the Vikings secondary. He's very used to Patrick Peterson and his tendencies, and that is the biggest threat in that secondary besides maybe their safety. So fantasy-wise, I'll go ahead and just highlight DeAndre Hopkins since he's the most likely candidate to continue to build on the great start of the 2021 season. Looking at the betting lines, Arizona is favored by four and a half. I'm going to ride the hot hand of the Cardinals. The Atlanta Falcons face the Eagles in their week one matchup. And outside of opening up the game with back-to-back drives that ended in field goals, there isn't much that went right for the Falcons. They were dominated in the trenches. The pass game couldn't get going. The run game went even less. And their last eight drives ended in either punts or turnover on downs. Daryl Patterson looked good on his seven carries for 54 yards. Mike Davis mostly struggled on his 15 carries for 49, but got another 23 yards through the air. All in all, it was a completely uninspiring performance by a team who looked poised to have an explosive offense despite losing Julio Jones. They were so bad, in fact, that I really don't even know how to evaluate the Eagles off of this game because I just can't tell if the Falcons were just completely trash and made it easy for the Eagles to rack up so many points. Moving the conversation over to week two, the Falcons have to travel to Tampa Bay to take on the Buccaneers. This is not exactly what the doctor ordered for a team that just got trashed in their week one opener. The Falcons offensive line is going to need to play up to their ceiling in order to hang with the Bucs front seven. They're going to need to establish a run game earlier, else the Bucs could be teeing off on Matt Ryan all day long. Offensively, they definitely hope to have a better showing with their receiving weapons that are full of potential with Calvin Ridley, Kyle Pitts, and others. And with all of the Bucs injuries in the secondary, hopefully the Falcons can take advantage. That being said, I'll go ahead and make a bold prediction that Russell Gage, who had an extremely quiet game in Week 1, will have a splash play that gives him fantasy relevance in Week 2. Tampa Bay Buccaneers kicked off the entire NFL season by taking on the Dallas Cowboys on Thursday Night Football. TB12 was back to Super Bowl form. That connection amongst all three wide receivers and Gronk was evident right from the jump. But the same can't be said about the running back room. Rumble Jones fumbled and set up an easy touchdown for the Cowboys, and the next drive... Leonard Fournette tips up an easy screen pass into the hands of Trevon Diggs, setting up a quick field goal, making it a nine-point swing that gave up the lead built by Godwin and Gronk touchdowns. Tom got pissed, and he hauled another touchdown, this time over to Antonio Brown, who had 118 yards and a touchdown in just the first half alone. With the broken-down and beat-up secondary, the Bucs were having a hard time stopping Dallas, and Tom didn't necessarily help out early by throwing two interceptions, so he kept needing to manufacture drives to keep them in the game. And he nearly sealed the victory on a mid-fourth quarter drive. But on first down within the red zone, Chris Godwin made a catch and fumbled, handing the ball back to Dallas. The Cowboys manufactured three points off of that turnover to take the lead with only a minute and change remaining. But Tom Brady is built for these scenarios. He is built for come-from-behind, two-minute drill, walk-off, field goal victories, and he absolutely delivered. 
and a thrilling start to week one of the NFL season. Looking ahead to week two, note that the long snapper trainer whose finger is injured was placed on injured reserve, as was cornerback Sean Murphy Bunting for his shoulder injury. As far as their week two opponents in the Atlanta Falcons are concerned, they are reeling from a bad loss in their season opener. Defensively, as long as their hodgepodge secondary can hold up its end of the bargain, the Bucks should have no issues starting their season 2-0. Fantasy-wise, I'll call out Ronald Jones to have a bounce-back game after the fumble in Week 1. In the betting line, it's forcing me to swallow 12 points to pick Tampa, but that's exactly what I'm going to do. This seems like a top dog versus bottom basement kind of matchup, and I am not going to bet against TB12 favored by 12. The Tennessee Titans took on the Arizona Cardinals in their season opener, and it was a tough day at the office for Ryan Tannehill and the offense, but specifically Ryan Tannehill, who got sacked by Chandler Jones three times in just the first quarter, one of which was a fumble. That was nearly a scoop and score, but led to an easy Cardinals touchdown regardless. The night wouldn't get much easier from there as Tannehill ended up getting sacked a total of six times on the day and fumbled once more, once again caused by Chandler Jones. The game script had to get thrown out the window pretty early on because by the end of the first quarter, the Cardinals were already up by 17, and it's pretty hard to establish the run with Derrick Henry as the centerpiece of your offense when you're in that large of a deficit that early. Defensively, Kevin Byard did come out of this game with an interception, but realistically, this defense didn't have much to show for as their secondary woes continued from last season with little improvement in this 38-13 loss. Looking ahead at week two, note that safety hooker's foot injury placed him on injured reserve. Unfortunately for the Titans, they will not have an easy time shaking off that week one loss since they get back-to-back NFC West opponents as they take on the Seattle Seahawks in week two. This shakeup amongst Tennessee coaches and personnel heading into this new season definitely seems to have had a larger toll on the team than I would have originally anticipated and they just have a brutal opening schedule for a team that is still trying to find out what they are going to look like moving forward. Yet again, the secondary of the Titans are going to be challenged as Russell Wilson throws one of the best deep balls in the league. Yet this is just another one of those pick-your-poison type of nights since Pete Carroll always wants to get the ground game going. Offensively, if they want to have a shot in this game, they definitely need to get Derrick Henry rolling early and often, then Ryan Tannehill can have more effectiveness utilizing the play action. I do think that ultimately Ryan Tannehill will have a bounce back game, so I will highlight him as a fantasy start. He was definitely drafted as a starting quarterback in this year's fantasy drafts, and I wouldn't give up on him this early despite the tough matchups. The Seattle Seahawks teed off the season against the Colts, opening up their season. Russell Wilson is just completely building on his Hall of Fame career with an outing like this. It is his 16th time passing for four or more touchdowns, And he did that because he has an absolute beauty of a deep ball that Tyler Lockett is able to read and adjust, and he came down with two in the end zone. Three different Seahawks log a sack against Wentz, which kept him feeling the pressure all game long, as well as keeping their streak alive because dating back to last season, they have 11 straight games now with two sacks or more. Pivoting to their Week 2 matchup, the Seattle Seahawks have to be licking their lips after seeing what the Arizona Cardinals were able to do against the Titans. Tennessee's secondary is definitely a weak point on this team as they continue to get bullied over and over through the year. That plays right into Russell Wilson's wheelhouse as he is coming off a big week showcasing those deep ball capabilities. Defensively, I think that they might have more of a challenge than they did last week as I feel like the Titans' pass-catching options are much stronger than those on the Colts. So there will be a lot of pressure on the Seahawks' secondary to contain Julio Jones and A.J. Brown. 
But as with most games, you're, when you're going up against the Tennessee Titans, the number one concern has to be stopping the run because of the large looming threat that is Derrick Henry. Ultimately, I think that this is going to be completely feasible to do for the Seahawks defensive unit, which is why I am able to look at the betting line of the Seahawks being favored by five points and not flinch while taking the Seahawks to cover. And since I didn't mention a player for fantasy yet, I will go ahead and toss out DK Metcalf to be the receiver that shines more this week. Dallas Cowboys and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers faced off on Thursday night football to start the 2021 NFL season with a bang. Dak short-armed a few throws and had a few miscues in the first game of the year, but largely looked comfortable against the Bucs. Lamb caught the first touchdown of Dallas's season, but could have had two or three if his targets in the end zone weren't well behind him. But Lamb is not free of blame in this game as he had several bad drops throughout the night, one of which ended in an interception by Carlton Davis. D-Law punched out a ball from Ronald Jones to set up a touchdown for from Dak to Cooper. Despite the bot snap, Cooper went on the rest of the way as the wide receiver won for the Cowboys. And in the presser after the game, he gave some comic relief by saying that the only thing we know after this game is that we aren't going undefeated. But the team completely failed in getting to Tom Brady, whose jersey was still completely clean by the end of the night. Looking ahead to week two, note that wide receiver Michael Gallup's calf injury places him on short-term injured reserve. Defensive end Randy Gregory has an illness after testing positive for COVID-19. And offensive tackle Lael Collins is in the middle of appealing a five-game suspension after failing the league's NFL substance of abuse policy. On to week two, the Dallas' defense is going to have their work cut out for them as they have got to go up against Justin Herbert and the Chargers. Herbert is definitely looking confident in his sophomore season and looks to be ready to hang in a shootout scenario, which is pretty much the only way that the Dallas Cowboys know how to win. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the Cowboys have lost 17 straight if they don't score 30 points or more. So expect a lot of points to be scored in this matchup. The defensive front will also have to do a good job of keeping track of Austin Eckler, who should be more healthy than he was in week one. On the offensive side of the ball, there should be no excuses for not getting Zeke involved in this matchup. At a certain point when you're paying your star running back as much as you are in Dallas, he has to see touches and he has to make an impact no matter who the opponent is. But fantasy-wise, I have to highlight Zeke. Again, I just don't think there's a way that they go back-to-back -back games without featuring him heavily. The Los Angeles Chargers kicked off week one of their season against the Washington football team. Right from the get-go, Justin Herbert and the offense looked comfortable and capped off the first drive of the year with an Austin Eckler touchdown. Offensively, through much of the game, despite facing a formidable defense, Herbert and the Chargers were able to amass plenty of yards and march up and down the field. Unfortunately, their drives were consistently ending in field goals or no points at all. One of Herbert's end zone turnovers coming on a controversial call where it was ruled that he fumbled pushing the ball through the back of the end zone, resulting in a touchback for the Washington football team. The other time came later in the ballgame when he tried to force the ball into a tight window and was picked off at the four-yard line instead. Luckily, Herbert was able to make up for it on a game-winning touchdown drive to take the lead 20-16. to Looking ahead to Week 2, note that offensive tackle Brian Balaga, whose back is injured, is considered day-to-day. As for their Week 2 opponent in the Dallas Cowboys, I think that the Chargers are going to have to gear up for a lot of scoring. So Justin Herbert better have his arm loose. The defensive front of the Chargers obviously were able to break loose on some big plays, and if they can do the same to Dak Prescott this week, despite them getting their guard Zach Martin back, it'll be very impressive for the bunch. Their secondary is going to have their work cut out for them, needing to cover multiple star receivers. But then again, maybe the Bucks created enough of a formula for the Chargers to piggyback on by completely shutting out the run and forcing everything through the air. Back to the offense for the Chargers, my guess is Keenan Allen will be getting covered more often than not by Trevon Diggs, so my fantasy call will be on Mike Williams to have a fantastic fantasy finish. 
As for the betting line, the Chargers look to be favored by three points in their home opener, but I'm honestly not sure if they're going to have home field advantage since the Dallas Cowboys have such a large fan base and the Chargers haven't necessarily built one up for themselves in Los Angeles. So I'm going to go ahead and take the Cowboys who are getting three points because even if the Cowboys lose, it's going to be close and I won't be surprised if they win it all in, on the road in SoFi. The Kansas City Chiefs made a statement in their season opener against the Cleveland Browns. Head coach Andy Reid is now 9-0 as the head coach going up against the Browns. Kansas City got off to a slow start, but at this point it's almost to be expected for the Chiefs to make every game interesting as their last eight wins dating back to last season have ended as one-score games. And more often than not, we see Patrick Mahomes just casually lead the team from behind for a comeback victory. Despite going down by two scores pretty early on, the Chiefs are never going to be a team that you can count out of a game as they consistently demonstrate that they can flip a switch and flip the score pretty much at will. So between falling behind early and just a tough Cleveland defense, CEH had a slower go of it than what we should have expected. Defensively, the Chiefs woke up in the second half, starting with Juan Thornhill forcing a fumble and ending with Mike Hughes getting an interception. Pivoting the conversation to the Chiefs' Week 2 opponent, they will be traveling to Baltimore to take on the Ravens, who are coming off a big letdown overtime loss against the Raiders on Monday Night Football. Kansas City is definitely going to have a big task as they go against their second straight AFC North opponent, particularly in stopping the run. Despite all of the injuries that have occurred on the Ravens unit, there is always a threat that Lamar Jackson could break free from the pocket and unexpectedly keep drive alive with his leg. The game plan for the Chiefs has to start with the focus of getting the lead early, and I say this not because Patrick Mahomes is incapable of pulling out come-from-behind victories. Obviously, we know that's not the case. I say that because Lamar Jackson is very comfortable playing with a lead and struggles heavily while playing from behind. So the Chiefs game is going to be a lot smoother if they can set the tone earlier rather than later on this particular opponent. Hopefully with an early lead, that will also involve Clyde Edwards-Alaire and getting a lot of touches on the ground, but more likely than not, it will spell huge passing touchdowns to Tyreek Hill since the Ravens are missing Marcus Peters in the secondary, and it shows. So I will go ahead and say Hill has another fantastic fantasy finish this week. The Baltimore Ravens had a primetime season opener against the Raiders in Monday Night Football in a game that was so good, all they want to do is watch more football. It was Tyson Williams who got the nod as the lead back and did not disappoint by scoring the first touchdown of the Ravens season. The running back room was not the only injury-prone position for the Ravens, as Marcus Peters, the cornerback, was also out for the year because of a practice injury. Lamar Jackson looked to take another step forward as a passer, absolutely nailing several big pass plays on key scoring drives. However, Lamar is not going to be satisfied with his performance tonight because he severely struggled with protecting the ball, fumbling three times. With the Raiders recovering two of those, and they came at the most inopportune times during the fourth quarter in overtime, that ultimately led to the Ravens' loss. Defensively, I would say that this was a rather disappointing outing for the Ravens, considering what their expectations are for this defense. Granted, they did have their corner out with injury. If I have to give a shout out to anyone on the defense, I'll give it to Anthony Averett, who did catch that interception in overtime that could have won it for the Ravens. Looking ahead to week two, note that guard Phillips was placed on injured reserve with a knee injury. As for their week two opponent in the Kansas City Chiefs, the Ravens defense is going to have to shake off that primetime loss and show up big for this primetime game unless they want to start their season with a surprising and disappointing 0-2 record. The game script for the Ravens is likely to involve a ton of rushing since that's their strength and the Kansas City Chiefs defense proved to be vulnerable against the run last week. This will be a game that I feel like you will be able to tell the direction of where it is headed perhaps as early as the first quarter. If the Chiefs get up early, it could spell disaster for the Ravens. But if Lamar and company strike first, then I anticipate us getting to witness yet again another close primetime game. Fantasy-wise, I'm going to push Tyson Williams to get the nod 
as the more productive back for the second week in a row. As far as the betting lines go for this Sunday night football game, Baltimore are home dogs by three and a half points. The Ravens are a good team. They are at home. They are getting points, and I rarely trust the Chiefs to cover, so I'm going to go ahead and take the Ravens plus three and a half. The Detroit Lions and their new QB, Jared Goff, had to begin the 2021 season with a team that Goff is all too familiar with in the San Francisco 49ers. Unfortunately for Goff, he is 0-4 going against the 49ers when Jimmy Garoppolo is the starter, and after today's game, he has now thrown a pick six against the 49ers in three straight seasons. Speaking of streaks, TJ Hawkinson, the Lions star tight end and true main pass catching option for the team, racked up his third straight season opener with over 50 receiving yards and a touchdown. Game script wise, the Lions floundered early by starting the game off with a turnover on downs, followed by missing a field goal after receiving great field position thanks to a Jimmy G fumble. From that point on, the Lions started to fall behind till the deficit grew as much as 28 points. The 49ers definitely stepped off the gas at that point, and the Lions were able to take advantage, scratching and clawing their way back thanks to some defensive stops and some great plays on special teams, including an onside kick recovery to make the box score appear a lot greater and closer than the game ever felt in real time. Looking ahead to week two, note that cornerback Jeff Okuda will miss the remainder of the season after an MRI showed that he ruptured his Achilles. As for their week two opponent, the Lions gear up to take on division rival Green Bay Packers in Monday Night Football. After both teams got beat up and blown out for much of week one, this will be an interesting test of each team's grit to pull themselves up by the bootstraps and show out in week two. The Lions started to do so during week one as they made headway for a comeback that never came to fruition, but their defense is set up to take on another high-powered offense with Aaron Jones capable of getting things moving on the ground and Aaron Rodgers' Devontae Adams connection capable of gashing them through the air. DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams both proved to be serviceable on the ground and passing game and will need to continue against the Packers and much will also be asked of TJ Hawkinson as the tight end will likely continue to be the most targeted pass catcher on the Lions offense. Defensively, it'll help the Lions out a lot if they can get to Aaron Rodgers early because he does not like being uncomfortable in the pocket. Fantasy-wise, I'll go ahead and take Jamal Williams to be the star of the show on the Lions side of the matchup. Green Bay Packers started their season in a fashion that no one would have predicted against the New Orleans Saints. After a slow first half, Rodgers was able to get momentum and put a drive together for a field goal before half. Then came out slinging it in the second half, connecting on a deep ball to Adams, but that drive was ultimately cut short by a red zone interception. At that point, Aaron lost his rhythm, if it wasn't already lost already, and later threw a punt of a heave on a deep ball that sailed 10 yards over the receiver's head and into the welcoming arms of the Saints. The Packers' defense had a red zone interception of their own, but a bogus roughing the passer penalty called against Zedarius Smith gave the ball back to the Saints and ultimately gave them yet another touchdown. You could argue that maybe that game was already out of hand at that point, but it shouldn't matter. Smith couldn't have made a more textbook tackle based off of what the league asks him to do when hitting a passer, and still he was game-alteringly and unjustly punished. After an early fourth quarter three and out orchestrated by Rodgers, followed by yet another Saints TD, the Packers waved the white flag and had Jordan Love get his first regular season NFL snaps under his belt. Defensively, the score of 38-3 in a blowout loss tells you pretty much all you need to know about the effectiveness of that unit. Pivoting the Packers' focus onto their Week 2 opponent and the Detroit Lions, I'm sure that Packers are pissed and ready to let loose on a division rival opponent that they have consistently beat up on over the years. I find it very hard to picture a scenario of Aaron Rodgers putting up two stinkers in a row, especially when that second opponent is the Lions. Aaron Jones showing up and actually getting some production from his runs is going to do a world of good for Rodgers and the rest of the Packers' offense. That running game can really set the tone. The defense is going to have to absolutely have a better outing than they did against the Saints. I think they should be up to the task. Packers are favored by 11 points in this game, and I 
think that this is a big revenge spot in prime time for Rodgers to silence the critics. So I'm going to go ahead and swallow those 11 points and pick the Packers there. Fantasy-wise, I'll go ahead and say that Devontae Adams will have a bounce-back game after a quiet season opener. That's it. That's the show. I greatly appreciate you listening this long. If you did and you haven't left a review on the podcast already, please take the dime to do so. I would greatly appreciate it. Also, I would appreciate if you follow this so you don't miss future podcasts. And if you really did enjoy it, I would love if you would share it with a friend who is also into football. All of those things from the bottom of my heart. Thank you so much if you do them. See you on the bonus episode where I bring along some friends where we will discuss more fantasy picks as well as different opinions on these betting lines. I appreciate you so much. Again, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for listening. Peace.